Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, diet time is here. That's right, we're talking Friday the 13th, the 2009 reboot on Kill by Kill. Greetings and salutations, Internet. This is your old pal, Patrick Hamilton, coming to you once again from Camp Crystal Lake. Hey, that sounds familiar. This is the Kill by Kill podcast where we are dedicated to celebrating the least discussed component of any horror film, the characters. We're going to unpack all the details of the 2009 reboot of Friday the 13th and the hopes that a Michael Bay approved teen's untimely end is just the beginning of the jokes that we can make at their expense. And as always, there's only one person I trust to send me signals by rubbing her breasts together while another guy doesn't notice this at all. The one and only Gina Radcliffe. How are you doing, Gina? I, I don't know. I don't know what that's like. Come on. That's sexy. That That is <laughs> that is in, in the 12 movies mm-hmm. we've watched so far i mean in counting total everything including the bonus episodes that is, that is the single most erotic moment in any movie that we've watched so far more erotic than seeing that one guy's dick in his jeans i that paul's dick was pretty awesome <laughs> i mean this is just this was absolute just you know not at all gratuitous uh just just absolutely just move the plot along it, it told me more about these characters and, and i just i i steamy steamy Oh yes, very erotic. Every ounce of this, absolutely. I, I'm well, just glad. I'm just glad she remembered to to pack the baby oil in, in in her camping supplies because you know you 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 forget things when you you pack for a weekend trip. Yeah, you know, sometimes you forget your sunblock. Sometimes you know you 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 forget a spare pair of underpants. She she remembered that baby oil. <laughs> That's right. Now uh, remind me again. Baby oil does not re- uh, repel biting insects, right? That's- no, she should be she should be covered from head to toe in gnats within within <laughs> twenty seconds. Um, oh. Unless it's not baby oil, but it is skin so soft. That is possible. Uh, that is possible. She might it, be this- rubbing herself in skin so soft, which that- would be a bug repellent. Uh, it does seem to be a, a clear bottle <laughs> with a pink top, though. I mean, it's it's like she's on a gonna take on a slip and slide at any point. Like she's gonna be on the Nickelodeon show where she has to reach into the nose of an ancient idol to find a flag. That's sexy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Did I make this too erotic? I made I, it I'm too sorry. Erotic. I mean, between you know, when I had to turn my air conditioner off, I mean, I'm already sweating here. What are you trying to do to me? <laughs> I mean, I'm about to launch into this whole story about this time that I went, I covered myself in baby and went down a slip and slide and hit a fence. But um, <laughs> should, we, should I maybe introduce myself? Should I do right. that? You know what? Let's <laughs> do the introductions for you because the audience may uh, have noticed at this point that we are not alone. That is right. We have a special guest. She is an actor that you may remember from the fantastic 2012 remake of Maniac. She's a social media personality. She's a podcaster whose new show for the Blumhouse Network is called Fear Initiative. She is the one and the only Megan Duffy. How are you, Megan? Woo, I'm good. I just felt like I should woo after that introduction. <laughs> People like the enthusiasm of my introductions, and that's the bulk of the praise that comes my way. Also, I have wine. I'm sipping a little bit of wine. (laughs) Oh, fantastic. You're in the (laughs) right place. Uh, So we have a little tradition here uh, on the uh, Kill by Kill podcast. One is to make sure that all of our guests have bathed themselves in baby oil and gone down a slip and slide, whether or not they've crashed into a fence or not. 
The second is we want to know what your first time was watching a Friday the 13th movie. When and, and where was that in your life? Honestly, I was at home. I think it was on HBO. I was a, in my preteens or teenage. It just kind of came on and I started watching it. And I remember being freaked out, but also really liking it. And uh, I couldn't tell you which one it was. I just remember the mask and people screaming and being stabbed. And there was a camp. And I was like, hey, that's pretty cool. It took place at a camp. At least you know it wasn't Jason X. Yeah, I didn't see Jason X. Oh, don't, you're fine. You don't. You're fine. There's absolutely no need to to be a completist when it comes to the the Friday the 13th series. You could you could you could stop you could stop right around seven, I think. <laughs> but if you don't go to eight, then you don't get to see all that hot smoking bread action. I'm sorry. Did that's, you say bread? Yeah, uh, there's a sequence in which a school administrator who has made every mistake possible and no one should listen to goes hunting for Jason Voorhees with a flare gun and he happens to pass through the ship's restaurant, which is lined up underneath the the heat lamps with bread that no one is serving. And so it's all smoking. Oh, my God, you're getting me so hungry right now. (laughs) I was gonna say I, I don't I don't know if I'm I'm ready for the 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 tone that this episode is taking a deceptively Warm erotic bread. one. Yeah, I was I was also gonna say she might wanna you might wanna watch uh, part eight mostly because a, a a guy gets his head punched off, which is pretty great. And oh God, that's like every sexual the, fantasy I've ever had. You guys are just yes. what is happening here? <laughs> think, People have can, uh, flashbacks inside of puddles. It's really awesome. Yeah, just see, you know, some of these things are are almost worth the price of admission. (laughs) (laughs) That that admission being an hour and a half of your life while you probably are sitting at home sorting change or answering emails. Or maybe sewing. I might be catching up on my sewing. That Yeah, yeah, that that would be good for that. You could stop for a moment and watch the dude get his head punched off. And then go about your life as if it never really happened. (laughs) Exactly, because it doesn't matter. We don't know anything about this character. He he becomes vampire at one point and just grabs Canadian cops out of the darkness. I mean, I didn't like watching it the way we watched it, but I I have a secret like for it that I don't have for Jason X, despite all the nits, fantastic nits. I feel like we're kind of avoiding the movie we're about to start. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Should we talk about the movie? I just I rewatched it last night because I had seen it a couple of years ago. It came out in 2009. Uh, This is a first for me in this podcast. And this is the first time we are covering a movie I have not seen before. Um, My my response to the release of this movie was meh. You know, like, like it, it, it's, it's, you know, it, I felt no reason to, to watch it. I heard nothing that led me to believe it was either particularly good or particularly bad. I think in talking to other people about it, the, you know, the, the most enthusiastic anybody got about it was, it was okay. <laughs> you know, and that, that's, and that's generally about it. So I, I am, I am greeting this with a sort of grudging indifference I remember seeing it because at the about the time that it came out, I had a boyfriend who was a huge fan of Supernatural. And so we were, I was kind of on this, like, I would watch it with him and I was like on this Jared Padalecki kick. And I was like, well, I'd, I would see some, a movie he's in. Sure. He's cute. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of how I ended up watching it the first time around. So you got to hit all the highlights, the, the houses of wax, the Friday, the 13th, the, 
uh, who else was he an inappropriate brother to in a horror movie? It seems like he did it all the time. Um, I don't know. I mean, how many seasons of Supernatural? It's like 11 or something. I it's can't. Still, oh, it's, it's still 13. on. Is it yeah, 13 it's now? Still on. It's 13. And, and I realized. coming back for 14. I, I realize I keep confusing Jared Padalecki with the other guy on Supernatural. And so when I watched. Jensen Ackles. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, I was waiting to see him. And then I was like, oh, it's the other guy. Okay. Not that it like, you know, oh, fuck this movie or anything. You know, I just realized I constantly confused the, the, the two actors. But yeah, this, I think this movie came out at a time where I really just was not all that into, I, I was taking a long hiatus from watching horror because the years were pretty lean there. And then uh, when they, you know, when it bounced back with like It Follows and The Babadook and I was suddenly reminded, oh yeah, now I remember why I really love this genre. But a lot of the stuff, like I didn't, you know, Pat, Patrick told me that yes, indeed, we would have to cover the remake of Nightmare on Elm Street too, to which I also agreed with, all right, I guess. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, this is, I, I, I suppose... I think this is head and shoulders above the remake of Nightmare on Elm Street. But we went a year or so from now when we cover that one, I may be shown the air of my ways. Once upon a time, I had a favorable idea of Jason X, too. So anything could happen. Well, I just, okay. I just, I just realized that, that I once thought that the Tim Burton Charlie and Chocolate Factory was a good movie. And then, and then I, then I watched, rewatched it in a hotel and I was like, oh, this is not a good movie. Yeah. I started watching the Tim Burton one and I was like, mm, you know what? No, I'm not going to do this. It's, it's um, take this beloved children's classic and make it ugly and depressing. Yeah. Also, I don't know. I just, I don't, uh, this might be a blasphemous thing to say, but I don't love seeing Johnny Depp ever except yeah. like Bunny, Benny and June. I was like, okay, he warms my heart, but like the pirate, I just, he's, he just, you feel his like weirdness coming off the screen and not a great way. Although if I had to work with him, I would love it. But, um, yeah, I, he just, something about it bugged me. So I, um, possibly, um, all the terribleness <laughs> I think would be primary on his least, like everyone having a real active dislike of what made the original good and then going, you know what? We've got much better ideas. Speaking of which, let's use that as our transition into the 2009 reboot. Let's Woo. set the stage for a little body count. Who's still left alive at this point in the franchise? No one. <laughs> no one is Blonde left girl. alive at this point. Blonde girl is left alive. <laughs> our Annie 2.0 is the first person that we see. We'll, we assume that she's Annie. She's not given a name. She's only called counselor uh, in her IMDb. And uh, we launch into this with very red production logos. Nothing says quality quite like changed production logos. And... Nothing says Friday the 13th, quite like typewriter font. I was going to oh, say, the typewriter like, font bugged me so much. It, it, looks it looked like, like a, something it, I did. It, look, it looks like a, like it's a true crime documentary. Yes. And then, it's and like then it's and, all the president's men uh, is breaking into a Friday <laughs> the 13th movie. But then, and, but then honestly, also the, the, the flashback looks a little bit like Sin City with like the, the, you know, hypersaturated black and white and all. And honestly, look like an Instagram story because that's one of the fonts <laughs> in your Instagram stories that you can choose from. And I, I mean, I know it was before Instagram really was a thing. I don't think in 2009 did it exist. No, but I just was like, oh, this is an Instagram story movie. Someone on Twitter suggested that it was to make it feel like a documentary, 
which I don't think is a bad <coughs> suggestion, but also belays the fact that Friday the 13th has been called many things, many of them from this program, but it has never been called a documentary because it does not document almost anything. No, and it's a, it's, it's, it's surprising, actually, that no one has tried um, a, a found footage take on it because found footage was so much of a thing for for a while. And, and it's it's surprising to me that, you know, they haven't tried to combine the two. They almost did. That was one of the ones they almost pulled the trigger on and then they pulled back on it. Uh, so that was almost going to happen. Um, but listen, there is one bright spot here in this deeply saturated black and white, but some color version of Friday the 13th, uh, the original. And that is Nana Visitor from Star Trek. Deep Space Nine, who for some reason is dressed like she's escorting President Lincoln to the theater. I was going to say, she comes off kind of like a Joan Crawford character. You that's, have not, to, that's not a bad thing, though. You, you, I'm okay with to, that. You have to pay for what you did. They're very... <laughs> Very, you know, theatrical, and she's got like the the you know the, the Victorian you know, hairstyle, and and Jason's kind of peeping over the bushes, looking a little bit like Gollum, and 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 it's all very <laughs> weird and dreamlike, and, and I'm kind of almost feeling it a little bit, and and then it to then it, it just kind of ends. To me, it looked like Gloria Swanson in Sunset Boulevard, which is one of my favorite movies. I think it's going for something, yeah, but. It's you're going up against something that's a little bit iconic and it's whatever time period they have dressed her in feels out of place for 1980. And I just wish they had just stuck with the idea that it was 1980 because you went out of your way to tell me that it was June of 1980. And she looks like she just came out of the prairie and said the engines are attacking on the North Face. It's, like it's, it's also a, an odd. It's it's also an odd outfit to wear for someone who's supposed to be the camp cook. I think <laughs> wasn't she? Wasn't Mrs. Voorhees originally the the cook? In the original film, yes, she is the camp cook. We have no idea what she is in this. I maybe mean, maybe this is just her murder outfit. Like if she's going to go out and try to murder, <laughs> yeah, people, it's a little, it's know, a little like, Lizzie. It's a little Lizzie Borden. You're you're you you're, know, like, you're right with that. When you watch Dexter, he always had like that thermal like T-shirt kind of thing on that he would. And so maybe this is just her murder outfit. Yeah. Uh, Listen, everyone's got to have one. And so this is is hers. Uh, So this brings up uh, something that we've talked about um, in other iterations of the Friday the 13th franchise. But here is a a chance for someone to make their own version of this. We're going to hard reboot this. None of the continuity or lack thereof exists before this. We're going to really restart this. And so we start with her saying, Jason drowned and it was your fault. But Jason is in the bushes, like, (laughs) just checking this out. So his drowning didn't take? Is he a runaway teen? Is he a runaway teen who just faked his own death because his mom is such a psycho? He's like, I got to get away from this chick. She's ruining my life. I'm going to fake my own drowning. She she, 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 she dresses like Ma Ingalls. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing. I mean, when we, we you know, skip ahead a little bit, when the, um, what was the name of the first guy that gets killed? Like Mac or something like that. I, I, I can't remember. His, I've already headphones guy. Headphones guy. Yeah. Weed, mm-hmm. weed guy. Weed um, headphones guy. 
Yes. Uh, he tells the story and he too makes it sound like that he rose from the dead. It's like, and you know what? Jason came back and everybody's only mildly puzzled by that. Like, what do you mean he came back? He said he drowned. I'm not sure what we're supposed to take from this. I mean, couldn't you say he he was drowning and he almost died and it was your fault? I, that would be fine. If she was crazy, all she needs is the excuse to go crazy that they should have been watching him and they didn't. And that's what flips her lid and she kills all the counselors in the camp. But why make it the same weirdo fucked up continuity from the first franchise that only happened because they wrote Victor Miller, wrote them into a corner and they're like, we got to do a sequel. I don't know. Jason. Sure. (laughs) Cocaine movie happens. (laughs) And also, uh, you know, in, in the original movie, most of the action, you know, in which Jason is presumably watching what's happening to his mother, he's already supposed to be an adult at this point. Um, but in in this, he's a, he's still a kid. Right. And so, so you know, again, he's now a very really, large child. <laughs> it doesn't he's, make he's it, a large adult son, sort of. Yeah, but he's, he still, a, he, he's like maybe a preteen, I guess, maybe. I'm, I'm going by like the size of it, like, you know, what he looks like crouching down to 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 pick up, you know, the, the you know, whatever it is. Is it a machete he picks up? One, he picks up the same machete that our Annie 2.0 decapitates uh, Mrs. Voorhees with. Right. And, and the and the and the the, the locket. Uh, but I mean, again, you're, you're right. The, the timelines don't make sense. The circumstances don't really make sense. I mean, and because it, it suggests it suggests that the drowning just happened and that she's that she's taking it out on the people who are actually there when it supposedly happened. Whereas right. in, in the in the in the first movie, it was more that she was upset that people that the camp had been reopened and it was supposed to be what, like 25 years earlier or something that that Jason drowned. Right. They, see, they, they, she attacks the, the, the first, the cold open of that one ha- takes place in the early 60s. And then we flash forward several years up till 1980. So I didn't see like that. It seemed like she thought it just I felt like it was a woman who's had a grudge for a long time and hasn't changed her clothes. <laughs> a very long time. Very long time. She, she she imagine how she must smell that same outfit for like 25 years. Well, and she, how much shit on a shingle has she had to disperse in that costume to everyone making fun of her, tell, you know, calling her Laura Graham Ingalls behind her back before yeah, she, she finally she, leave, loses it. She uh, yeah. she steps out of that time machine, looks around, says, well, teens, teens are still fucking and, you know, <laughs> picks up that machete. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's, oh, it's wackadoodle. And here, the, the other thing that I feel slightly let down about in this cold, cold open is that in in the original film, if we're just going to encapsulate the original down to the first three minutes of this, the decapitation of Mrs. Voorhees in that first film is grand guignol. It is elaborate. It's the big punctuation mark on the entire thing before we get our carry ending. It's a big deal here. It just kind of like happens like as if it was a mistake or a lucky shot. It just doesn't feel like, Oh, wow. It's just, you know, someone farts in the wind. (laughs) I I wonder, I almost felt like after seeing the rest of it, that maybe someone, once it was finished, they were like, oh, you know, it would make sense is if we had this opening scene and then they were like, here's like 10 grand to shoot. It just seemed like so low budget compared to some of the other special effects that happened later on. 
Um, and to me, it's just the whole thing, the whole cold, cold opening felt like an afterthought that maybe I, was like a reshoot or yeah. something. I mean, I, I don't know. I can't know if we can right verify that. that yeah, but, and that, yeah. And that severed head ain't looking too good. I mean, it's and also not, the it's camera not, work didn't match. I don't think the camera work matched late, what we see later on. Yeah. And I mean, it's not, it's not, you know, part seven severed head bad, but it, it's, it's, uh, <laughs> it's not great. No, <laughs> this does not look like uh, a candle that was lit by teenagers and left alone in an abandoned house like it is in, in part seven. It, this looks like they buried Nana Visitor up to her neck and gave her some pancake and said, all right, let's get one shot. All right, we got it. Moving on. So that is our slam into that. And so with that, we learned the that Camp Crystal Lake will probably be shut down. And so that's it, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Uh, don't worry. The body count will continue. Oh, I'm sorry. This just in. Um, there's an entire movie left in this movie. Okay. So I guess we're just moving on to Friday the 13th part two then. Okay. Fine. Be that way, movie. Uh, we're slammed right into the middle of a small group of friends who are backpacking. Uh, we have Wade, Mike, Richie, Whitney, Amanda, Jerky, Philbar, Coaches. They have a lot of fucking names. I can't tell any of them apart. It's like an American Eagle catalog shoot has just broken out on screen. Yeah. Uh, um, I, I will say, I will say that I think in this cold up, the dialogue is pretty terrible. And these actors being an actor myself handle this ter- terrible dialogue pretty well. I, I think they look South Jersey, which is a good boon. Yeah. I think the the real problem here is you have three dudes who look nearly identical to one another. I mean, you have Richie, who's the wise ass with the glasses. You have Wade, who's the wise ass who may be a stand-in for Joey on Blossom. That's and you Ben Feldman, right? That's Ben Feldman. <laughs> it is. Oh, and he's amazing. Mike is, and Mike is the wise ass who looks like he would never stop telling you that lacrosse is the sport of the future at a party. And basically the only way you can tell these three guys apart would be the weight volume of their hair. Like when you buy frozen yogurt. Well, Wade, you can tell apart because Wade is wearing a Star Wars shirt because Wade is the air quotes nerd of the group. (laughs) Quote unquote. I, well, I, I would he's agree in glasses, with you. I think so you've got the one in glasses. They're best here with what they're given, but everyone, everyone has a joke. And so everyone is the jokester and it, and it, I just wish we had a blonde. Just a blonde would have been nice. Well, uh, a person with a different melanin count would have been interesting. So. Yeah, a, a, a mustache might have might have made things <laughs> a little easier. It didn't have to be on one of the men, but you know, just just you know, a, one mustache, one one you know, source of facial hair to to tell them apart. But you know, what? it doesn't matter because you know what's the most important part about this movie is discovering that South Jersey is the wild weed capital of the United States. <laughs> Boy, are these people excited about finding (laughs) just marijuana everywhere. Well, especially living in California, it was really funny to see that because I'm like, oh, you just just go into a store here and get it. My next door neighbors grow pot. Like if I wanted to discover a secret pot farm, I'd look over my wall. 
Um, so yeah, they're super excited about their not so secret plan. It's, it's not so secret that they have to lower their voices or anything, just shuffle off to the side of their group. They've heard about a hidden crop of marijuana that's growing somewhere in the forest. Their goal to cut down a bushel and a peck, uh, while the others are sleeping and, and quote unquote, stash it in the truck. Uh, this is great because as we all know, audiences love weed thieves. It's just science. And so this is where we get to the, (laughs) Uh, it's a mystery to me and anyone else who's ever laughed at this dumbass podcast. Um, Over a campfire, uh, Richie gives it to everyone straight about Jason Voorhees. Even as he tells it, this story makes even less sense than it did in Friday the 13th part two. I'm not saying it makes any sense in that original, but they did have since 1981 to come up with a new version of these events. But Okay, I think we've we've really talked about the meat of it. Who really cares? They wanted to make another one, so they did. And secondly, I just don't think that I don't eat fish is a super great oral sex joke. It feels first draft, and I feel like they could have done better. I mean, it's kind of a boneheaded joke, so maybe they were just, you know, trying to appeal to the you know, people with a bad sense of humor. <laughs> it's entirely possible. Like it's just I mean, it's just a very like basic boneheaded kind of like where um not to, but like a fat guy might think is funny it's a bad joke that's left in because there's gonna be a guy in college somewhere who like it's the funniest thing he's ever heard <laughs> oh that's so sad i knew people like that i you know i grew up in like connecticut and massachusetts and i briefly went to umass and i went to my hand a handful of frat parties and there were people who would have thought that joke was the funniest thing it does set a mood and it does tell you a little bit about the character, mm-hmm. but they've gone out of their way to tell us what wackadoo jokesters they are, that we right. find them also hilarious. And I feel like they're given the weight of everything while the Whitney and Amanda characters are saddled with either being the sexual object or the most capable person of all time in a stressful situation. So it's it's weird that we're given a, you know, prime sex bot and a Ginny from part two character. And but neither neither of them are allowed to talk enough to all the character and energy they're pouring into three guys. And we're not going to see four out of the five of these people ever again. So you might as well make all of them pop in some way, shape or form. I feel like they could have done that. But well, Amarika is popping with those boobs. <laughs> yes. She, you know, she's in me. I met her cause we're in maniac together. She plays Elijah Wood's mom in that movie. That's right. Um, this movie, Friday the 13th was actually cast by Lisa Fields and John Barba, um, uh, who cast maniac as well. So I'm pretty familiar with them. And yeah, I think they, did a good job of bringing people in, but when you want to talk about pop, it's like she opens that shirt and it's just, boom. <laughs> it's an exciting moment for me. I mean, she's a beautiful lady and a nice lady at that too. That is for sure. Uh, hold on. Now, now I have an interrupting eight year old. Hi, Oliver. He heard someone say the word boobs. Yes. <laughs> Give me a hug. I'm very sweaty. Thank you. I'm glad to yeah, I know. Cause I have to wear a blanket. Yes, I am. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, that's true. I do propose the myth that I'm always <laughs> naked when I podcast, but that is, I'm going to have to edit that out now. No, you absolutely, so you, into absolutely the idea. you absolutely do not edit out an eight-year-old yelling out bye-bye naked. <laughs> that's true. That's, that's the first rule of comedy. That's, that's a Patreon t-shirt right there. <laughs> bye-bye naked. <laughs> Speaking of naked. Speaking of naked. <laughs> yeah. But you want to talk about a pop. Amarika opening up her shirt. That is a pop. I mean, is it gratuitous? Yes, of course. Like, so weird. She's in the middle of the woods. There's mosquitoes. She's rubbing. I Okay. Now, I know you guys think it's baby oil. I really think having grown up on the East Coast, Avon is huge there. Everybody has that skin so soft stuff that's like baby oil that you lather yourself in, but it's actually a bug repellent. I really don't think it's baby oil. I think it is Avon skin so soft. I would like to believe that she's really exposing herself to all the elements. I think my main problem with this particular section of the movie is that while they're putting on this silent movie of seduction between one another, the soundtrack has decided to tell us that they want to bone by turning the bass up to 11. <laughs> what is this? One tree hill? I'm, I can completely understand two people wanting to have sex. You don't have to underline it with jazzy bass lines. The implication here is that you would need musical accompaniment to know that the girl rubbing baby oil slash skin so soft on her bare chest would like to go to the bone zone with <laughs> you don't need to do that. <laughs> I've never heard a Friday the 13th movie have sex comedy base. So that's a new one on me. They, they well, were trying I mean, I, something new. Did it work? Not I, really, but they were yeah, trying I mean, it. It's always, it's always funny, you know, to quote past guest Andrew Schwartz. It's funny. It's just funny <laughs> to, uh, to have characters who just can't, you know, hide the fact that they want to fuck and just, you know, I mean, just, just they're, you know, they, they can't just, they just can't control themselves, even though they're grown adults who presumably hold down jobs and support themselves and, and should be able to keep themselves, you know, composed around their friends. They can't, they can't do it. They, they gotta have it. So they're playing this weird game where, where, you know, she's, you know, rubbing herself, you know, it, it, you know, behind his friend's back. And then they go off to a tent and have very loud sex with the lights on, basically giving, creating a shadow puppet uh, production. And then she stops and says, I think Wade is watching us. Oh, really? <laughs> do you think he's watching you? I mean, do you think that after you announced to the whole camp that you, you're going to run off and, and have, you know, you, you noisy athletic sex that someone might consider watching you? Well, does, does she's just with this. Doesn't she hear something? I thought she hears like hears like a footstep or a twig snap or something she like that, and then that's her. She does, sure. but she seems yeah. annoyed that 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 Wade, who she was just sitting behind, about four feet behind with her top off, might maybe be watching them. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I guess I guess I saw it as kind of like oh, like um, we we in the panel I was on recently, we talked about how um, you know sex in in horror films seems to be. Like, you know, someone's having sex and they get murdered in the middle of it. It seems like it could be a punishment, but it's actually uh, used for distraction. And I think like, sorry, I've had wine, but I think it it's more that like she just she hears something and it's that female intuition of like knowing something's not quite right. And then just she blurts out the first thing that it could possibly be is like, oh, this guy might be watching us. But like her female intuition is like something's wrong, uh, but she doesn't know quite what. So she misidentifies it. 
I think that's a good enough idea as any. I, I, I I'm trying to defend her. <laughs> well, I, I think she's, it's worth defending because I, I really want to like the character. She seems like a flesh and blood human being, mm-hmm. despite the fact that she is very sexually attracted to a guy who's been dressed like a slightly hunkier frog brother. But all right, listen, I got to say that's Ben Feldman. And did you see him when he's in Matt? He's excellent. He's an excellent actor. He's a charismatic human in real life. I get it. I get all of this. And he is not responsible for the clothes that he's put in. No, he did not show up to set looking like he was in the middle of a, a, you know, a white snake video. Someone decided (laughs) to make him look that way. Uh, and I guess we could put that blame on Marcus Nispel, who was probably sitting in Video Village wondering, you know, will the audience understand that these two young, very conventionally attractive cishet people might want to have sex that they've spent every other line in the entire movie alluding to? Perhaps she needs to rub baby oil on her boobs while a baseline plays. Again, to I think it is skin so soft. <laughs> The the camp here at Kill by Kill is divided into two groups. Baby oil and skin so soft. I think we're going to have to let Twitter decide uh, <laughs> which it is and why. And uh, then we'll all know because the, the, the audience will have spoken. So while this is happening, we then cut to Mike and Whitney, who've wandered off from the campfire to have a heart-to-heart by a very picturesque bridge. Uh, above them is the haunting glow of it's supposed to be the moon, but it really does come off like the bat signal, which has been lit because the Riddler has stolen the crown jewels from the Gotham Museum of, Man- of Antiquities. Uh, it's very fucking bright. It's the brightest moon that has been in any Friday the 13th movie. And that's saying something. <laughs> yeah, this is certainly one of the most, one of the more well lit of the uh, of the Friday the 13th movies. They definitely have put a significant <laughs> budget towards the lighting. <laughs> yes. I, I, I think this is the Michael Bay influence. They're trying to give depth. They're trying to make this look glossy. There, there is an aesthetic at hand here that might run contradictory to the aesthetic that we have come to know and respect and, and like. That's okay. Everyone can like something different. Uh, for example, uh, Amanda Rigetti, uh, is the uh, actress who's playing Whitney. And while I think she does a good job in this, I can't get out of my mind that uh, she was a character on The Mentalist for like a bazillion years. And all she did on that show is sit behind a desk and do internet research for eight goddamn years while The Mentalist would go around to one of eight predetermined CBS approved locations so that every single season you would see the same wharf over and over and over and over again, Simon Baker. Damn you and your dreamy hair. (laughs) Okay. got that out of my way. So my, uh, it was interesting because I, I knew Danielle Pan. I'm a fan of Danielle Panabaker and I saw that she was in this. And at first I was like, is that Danielle? She looks very, very much, like Danielle Panabaker, which is not a negative, but then, then it made sense that Jared Padalecki is, is her brother. I'm like, okay, that makes sense. But then I still am confused why Jared Padalecki was so attracted to someone who looks just like his sister. <laughs> that's something I still can't wrap my head around. I'm like, that's. Uh, I just wish there was a more, a panacopia of people so that I could tell them apart. Yeah. Well, Willa Ford, I think is a really, I think she's got a really interesting, um, 
unique face and, True. you know, and Amarika too. I, anyway, and the dudes, I think, well, I guess you, you think the dudes look alike. I can tell the difference. I, maybe it's, maybe it is my, a point of privilege that I stand upon that I cannot tell them apart, but that is just me. Um, All white but, dudes look alike. <laughs> well, they fit a category. And here, like, they all kind of fit a similar category. It's not against them. I think they just made certain decisions. Um, So let's talk about a different decision within this movie. And that is, they're going to do four different Friday the 13th. We had spent three minutes in the 1980 version. We're now squarely into part two. Which means that Whitney is standing in for our Ginny from part Mm -hmm. two. Um, and Jenny is one of our, our favorite characters of all time. She's uh, super smart. She's capable. Uh, she thinks her way out of problems. And then uh, she totally does it with Paul, who's a sex idiot. And she's only into it because of that dick. And we get that because we've seen Paul and we've seen his dick. And that's all we really need to know. Angela seems like he might be a nice guy. Mike does seem like he might be a nice guy. He does seem to play off her sick mother like, I think your sick mother would like us to do it. Which I don't know is her mother's wish, necessarily. Unless that's been directly communicated and we don't see that scene. I don't know. She put it in one of those those forms you fill out when you don't want to. You don't want to be resuscitated. <laughs> a DNR. Do yes. not resuscitate. Also, Mike should be doing my my girl. Exactly. Oh, yeah, I don't know. Sure. I, I got the, I got. I, I guess I'm just like a romantic, but I got the sense that like, you know, Nick's been, or uh, uh, what's his, Mike? What Mike. is his name? It's played by Nick. Um, yeah. He's been, um, you know, maybe part of this whole thing with her, like staying with her mom while she's sick and, and the mom, maybe like they had a moment. I, I have this whole backstory that I created for them. Um, but that's the actor of me, like that the mom was alone with Mike at some point And, and she was like, please take my daughter on a vacation, let her have fun. I feel bad that she's here just watching me be sick. And, and Mike's like, yeah, I will do that. And so that's like how they end up. And then, so that's the, the, the backstory I had when he, they have that conversation. Uh, you know, I don't think it's a bad idea. I, I think I, I think investigating an abandoned camp is a weird way to show your date a good time. Um, yeah, but maybe she's freaky like that. She's like into weird true. stuff, you know? We don't know. We don't know nearly enough about her, which is a damn shame, because I would like to. Which is, but which is why I made up a story. There you go. To justify it so it made sense in my head. Uh, cut to uh, Richie. Um, and during the sequence... We cue the sister Christian. What? Did Michael Bay lose a bet with the lead singer of Night Ranger? I mean, <laughs> it's not, listen, I like sister Christian as much as the next person. But if you're telling me that someone said to your, themselves, you know what would be a more iconic use of Night Ranger than that Boogie Nights movie that no one remembers? Um, how about a scene in this Friday the 13th remake where a guy pees uh, and stumbles into a patch of pot. Yeah, it, uh, it threw me off for a second. I was like, oh, wait a minute, are we still in a flashback? It's it's super. I mean, not since the not since uh, Tom Cruise climbed a mountain to a jazzy Afrikaner version of Ico Ico has a music pull seemed more out of place than the music build of Sister Christian and the introduction of Jason <laughs> Voorhees. It's just strange. From the go, I, I think 
I don't, I don't know what song they would have used, but I wouldn't have used something that had been used so iconically in just a decade previous. I mean, I guess maybe it's supposed to you know, emphasize that, you know, you know, this guy is such a, you know, check out what a nerd this guy is. He listens to old hair metal. I'm actually, I, try, I'm, I'm actually trying to think of, you know, what he more likely would have been listening to in, in, in 2009. I'm, I, my, my brain's already so melted that I don't even, I don't even remember what the, the big songs are being, were in 2009. Yeah. I am drawing a blank every time like, I like the like Katy Perry or something. <laughs> Living in Southern California and having K Rock here is because they won't they won't stop playing Bush despite no one's desire to still listen to it. I assume he's listening to Bush. So he's got a little machine head playing there. Yeah, I feel like 2009 is when like Lady Gaga and Black Eyed Peas were the thing. Sure. That makes sense to me. Uh, I I would actually have loved the scene even more if 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 he was like. Playing like I got a feeling, and he's just <laughs> hopping around the woods and stumbling onto a giant patch of, patch of weed. I mean, that would have been historically accurate. Yes. yes. Yeah. And the Friday the Thirteenth franchise is nothing if not historically accurate. Uh, <laughs> speaking of which, something that has a long history of is showing people going to the bathroom on screen. So check. If you had that on your Friday the 13th uh, bingo card, you can stamp it right now. He takes an excruciatingly long pee. Uh, This is before he uh, discovers this magical patch of pot. And now no one would ever really confuse me as an expert in the growth, cultivation, or harvesting of marijuana. But I am pretty sure that the parts of a marijuana plant that you want to smell are the buds and not the leaves, you <laughs> fucking square. <laughs> yeah, yeah and like, he's not and like a, a professional. No. He's not a professional weed guy. <laughs> no. And, and like Bennett uh, in our in our last movie we reviewed Commando, he's getting way into his delight over finding <laughs> this 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 marijuana. <laughs> it does remind me of Paul in part two when he picks up the roach, smells and goes. Uh, these guys are smoking better dope than I am. They're like, I don't know. You can tell that. <laughs> I don't, Paul, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about either. Uh, <laughs> Paul is a fucking sex idiot. I love him. I love him to death. I love the giant size of his <laughs> cock. It's fantastic. <laughs> cool. um, I'll have to watch that one. Oh, listen, when they're training <laughs> counselors in the forest and you notice that no one in that movie, and I mean no one, is wearing underwear it gets better. That's what Blu-ray is for, people. <laughs> um, so in the in the midst of all this, uh, however, we are now introduced to the secret weapon of Friday the 13th, 2009, and that is Derek fucking Mears as Jason Voorhees. Woo! This, this is the best casting. He is a top three Jason Voorhees. He is fantastic physical presence who knows exactly how to evoke menace on screen in very brief flashes. That being said, our first on-screen death by Jason is a little underwhelming, but we're going to get to an aftermath shot here a little bit later. So I guess it's a decision, you know, whatever. I think, I think the, uh, the, uh, the actor is pretty convincingly scared, which, which you don't, uh, you don't see a lot. There's a lot of, uh, I, I was actually watching a, uh, 
a video montage and somebody compared his his acting to that of um chili in part three and how, <laughs> and, and how unconvincingly frightened she was and how this actor was actually did did do a pretty uh you know pr- a pretty fairly convincing job of being terrified yes i mean it helps that he's always introduct introduced in, in this particular jason uh, with a broom, 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 anytime uh, he appears, because this film is filled with audio cues to be scared. But I, I think he's really awesome in, in the role. Um, yeah. Let's cut to uh, Mike and Whitney. Um, they're not boning in a cramped tent, as promised. Uh, no, they she's are a actually. Upset. Yeah, I've gone through it. <laughs> they really should be. They have uh, discovered the abandoned Camp Crystal Lake. We do get a, a small shot of the original signage, uh, although the camera spends most of the time on that new version that's suspended over. Um, but this is where we get the first look at Jason's Shack 2.0. Yeah. Now- Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, well, I'm fans of uh, the show will know way back in episode five that we discovered the ultimate music stab of any Friday the 13th film, <laughs> Toilet. <laughs> Here, we get a less frightening offspring, which is weeds grow out of a TV. Or, or, oh, God, or, what frightened me was the dishes. The dishes <laughs> in the sink. Get that man a housekeeper, please. <laughs> yeah, I, Come I, on. I, was, I was thinking I'd... Um, I just went to to Chicago recently and I did an escape room. And I don't know if either of you have ever done that. Um, I refuse. It's uh, I, I it was my first time. It was actually it was actually really entertaining. Um, but the room that we were um, we were put in was in an in, in, in 80s slasher movie themed room. <laughs> and the thing about an escape room is you have to solve a mystery and there's lots of stuff scattered around at random that you're supposed to determine what is or isn't a clue. And, and I sort of felt like that with this with this setup of the, the old <laughs> ye old Voorhees homestead. It's like everything, there's a lot of scenes of with the camera kind of zooming in on some things. It's like, this is significant. And it's like, <laughs> you know, so we get the, the locket and then we get the headboard that says Jason, as if you could not figure out what yeah. you know whose house they were wandering around in you know she just happened if, to she had she carved carefully carved jason into his headboard and then as if that wasn't enough then they had to also say look the name is J-, in case you couldn't read i guess for the the uh you know the people who aren't watching the screen um they trod they drew extra attention to it which was really funny that was like a funny moment to me it's like oh you could it says it, but I guess now we need to also tell you. Yeah, this is definitely with says. the music cues and all. This is uh, yeah. another another you know one of the another movie in this uh, in this series where in which the the filmmakers think that the audience is really stupid. Yeah. I just I still can't get over the dishes in the sink. I was just like smelling like the crusted on like mac and cheese out of a box and like stale ketchup, and I just. That was one of the scarier moments. Yeah, for me I was found that it shot. unlikely that they that nobody ever came around to clean this house out. I mean, I can I mean I can see maybe just leaving the furniture and all there, but generally speaking, you know, for for you know a crime scene and also a crime scene that we will later find out somebody owns that property. 
Yes. That they never, that nobody ever came by to, to, you know, at least get rid of the, you know, the, the, the live garbage that's just, been, that's just been sitting around in this house for almost 30 years. It does feel like this part of the sequence, they just took the, the old Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake sets. And instead of bathing them in orange lights, they just bathed them in teal lights and called it a day. At one point, Mike tells Whitney, and she's like, I don't want to do this. He's like, oh, where's your sense of adventure? It's at the fucking hospital, Mike. This whole place needs a goddamn tetanus shot. I'm willing to bet there's some pretty cool shit here, Mike says. You know what? You're going to lose that bet, dude. You know what's left behind in rotted structures in the woods? Black mold. That, that's you're not. That's not a fucking lottery win, my friend. No, no, it is not. That is not something to mess around with. Black mold. No, uh, some of the set decoration here is a little off, and then some of it is super awesome. For example, Whitney discovers Pamela Voorhees's keepsake necklace, and it's hanging off of a a fishing net, which is not something people have in the Pine Barrens of New Jersey regularly however they do find all the whistles of the dead counselors and that i found rather evocative i'm like i like that it's almost as if this movie is batting 300 250 and i'm okay with that right now yeah i like that he has the whistles as keepsakes of his kills it's the, the the noise they make when they bounce off of one another and the idea that someone collected whistle after whistle after they killed all these counselors is kind of like i like this addition to the lore it's filth meets function and i applaud it for that i I do like the idea that this suggests that none of the counselors ever use their whistles to call for help though (laughs) while they're being murdered (laughs) or maybe they did and they couldn't hear it over the the, yeah if you're out far that far in the woods no one's gonna hear you whistle right that's right. That's what they say about the New Jersey woods. No one can ever hear you whistle. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's very true. That was that was the motto of my uh, my senior yearbook. <laughs> I don't know how to whistle. I try. See, I can't do it. Uh, yeah. It's not everyone can. And that's what makes it special when someone is very good at it. Cut to uh, Richie and Amanda in the middle of the kind of sex where one partner is not considering the needs of another. So once again, very erotic. It's uh, a, it's a, it's HBO series sex. Yes. Where, the, 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 <laughs> violent, the violent from behind sex that normally shows you that it's normally supposed to tell the audience that the male character has some sort of, you know, deep, dark secret he's hiding. But here he's just kind of, you know, clumsy and inconsiderate. He's just like a dude. He's just like a dude who's like, no, wait. Yeah, he doesn't. Yeah, I wouldn't date that guy. <laughs> no, no. Uh, yeah, his character is not given the best of of, of uh, shots. But what are you going to do? Uh, this, however, is another thing you can knock off your Friday the 13th bingo card because we're going to get an excellent example of Jason's trusty sixth sense. And that is knowing your fuck style and using it against you. Yeah. (laughs) As such, he understands that the interrupting the coitus is going to get into Richie's head. He's going to get out of his game. He's going to have to get out of that tent and investigate because the sex up until this point was not so good that she doesn't want to interrupt it. Therefore he's using it against them. And that's, that tells me that someone behind the scenes was paying attention to Friday the 13th lore. 
Richie uh, wanders right. <laughs> Wait a second. Now I've, now I'm skipping. Oh, Richie, uh, then we discovered earlier that the pot field's only like a half mile away from where they're camping. But uh, as Richie is uh, looking uh, for Wade, uh, he himself wanders into the very same pot field uh, where he discovers Wade's ear with the iPod earbud still attached. And then the rest of Wade, who appears to have died from severe ear removal. There's also a throat slash we kind of see in a different shot, but you really have to be looking for yeah, it. Yeah, I'm confused about how he died, to be honest, because it just looked like a lot of wounds. And yeah. so it's like, well, did he rip his, like, I just was confused at the order of the wounds. It's a lot of hacks. And at the end, he lost so much blood that he's just gone. But I don't know there's one wound that really gets it more than the other. Um, I, the other- I, I would have really loved it if, like, you found out, like, his earbuds were still playing music. <laughs> and then, like, it's just some other, like, hair metal, like, come on, feel the noise or something. <laughs> yeah. Like, why can't you suddenly hear I go to pieces while this is happening? <laughs> come on, guys. Do- Patsy I, Listen, I do oh, music I stuff Patsy on the Klein. side. Yeah. Someone or, or just or just or be or be more you know unsubtle and just have uh the have the he's back by Alice Cooper playing. <laughs> <laughs> sure, I wink, love <laughs> wink. Why is your I mean, eyes still would, closed? That would have been a good place to put in. I got a feeling it's gonna be a good night. <laughs> Already, we are better music supervisors for this movie than what they had available to <laughs> the one thing that I wasn't so much a fan in this particular section is we don't really get that sense right away that Jason is a great interior slash exterior dead body decorator. That fetish really that we've come to know and love isn't at play right here, but let's see if it happens later on. Um, That quickly changes. However, when Jason, uh, when we cut back to the aforementioned sweaty sex tent, uh, he reaches in, slashes open the tent, and pulls Amanda out in, with her and her sleeping bag. We then see uh, in, in, in another cut that he has strung her up by her feet while she's still in the sleeping bag over the campfire. And I'll tell you the same thing I thought when I saw it in the movie theater. That is nuts. It is genuinely frightening to me in a way not many Friday the 13th movies do. That terrifying. is terrifying. Well, it's, it's because it's not his usual, it's not his usual MO. There, he's, not, he's not a torture guy. Yeah. And that, I that's mean, and a torture a, thing. There's Yeah. And there is a, another death later in the movie in which he's basically just toying with the person. And I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to give it away. But he he's really seems to be more enjoying his work, and then I don't, and that makes it a little more, you know, I, I'm not again. I'm, I haven't watched this. I, I've been watching this in pieces, so I can't really say yet if I think it's good or not. It is different though. Like like yes. he his he seems to be really seeking to hurt these people, and then again, it's it's. But on the other hand, it's like. But why? I mean, what do these, these people do to you? They just, I mean, I can see, you know, I, I can see the, the you know, just randomly, you know, slashing and hacking people who show up at your camp because you don't want people there. But, I mean, he seems to get a little personal 
with these with these kills and i'm like okay but 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 why no you know you you just you literally just met this woman the minute you decide you were going to kill her because he's not your daddy's jason gina is what it comes down to i think there's a little bit of he's not your daddy's uh going on if if i were to quote we hate movies certainly yeah um and i i think there are places where it doesn't work so well and where it doesn't and i i find this genuinely freaky uh, it's a top 10 for me in terms of deaths Be- and partially because that actor's performance while it is happening and the aftermath of it are really crazy. Oh my God. When she gets cut down and her just like the open eye and they cut to it a few times, terrifying. And there's smoke comes out of her mouth. There's just little things that tell me people were paying attention and I like that. They're like, this is something that Friday the 13th movie should have. And they went that extra mile, and and I appreciate it. Uh, this uh, ha- all happens while Richie runs to her rescue, but he runs right into an open bear trap, uh, which is staked to the ground, and he is uh, forced to watch her roast, uh, which also is not fun. Uh, there's a pretty good gore gag with his leg that looks uh, super juicy, and you kind of see some bone, and it's super gross. I feel like with that gag, though, that like because he got caught, and it, boom, it goes down. And then they're showing like a stretch of bone. And I don't think he's moved around yet for it to have scraped that much down. It seemed a little over the top. Well, he's to still me. in motion when he gets caught. So I'm assuming that damage happens in the initial snap. I mean, I haven't actually ever seen motion. it. So, yeah. But yeah. I just, what's terrifying to me about the most of these kills is that, you know, in, in your, it's a couple. And so you're seeing your loved one be you know murdered in front of you and that's just as terrifying as the terrifying stuff that's happening i guess watch it that's what really hit home for me yes generally the sex couple in any particular friday the 13th are killed together primarily because they're distracted right um but i think this this kind of comes back to an idea that we have played with in the friday the 13th franchise all over in terms of why he's doing this is if you are in the vicinity you're you're up for grabs. It doesn't matter if it you've had sex or you've smoked dope or you drank. We've had people who have done all three of those things who have survived a movie. We have people who've done none of those things and died. What ties them together is that they were near Camp Crystal Lake, unless they were on a spaceship, or you happen to be on a boat that Jason Voorhees mysteriously was able to drive his own boat to. Because as we all know, Jason Voorhees great boat captain. I mean, I guess part of why I felt like he was extra sadistic is because we saw he had to watch his loved one, his mother get killed. And so it seemed like he was especially mean spirit in, in making all the, the, you know, one member of the couple watch the other be tortured. And, um, cause he's tortured normally. No, no. Yeah. I mean, th- several of his kills are, are, would not be fun to be a part of. He's electrocuted people actively. He's done some things that, like it would take a while for some people to die. You know, some of his get bunked uh, gags like the, the raft and part four or uh, the, the spear gun to the crotch that happens right after. Mm. Like <laughs> you can't tell me that spear gun gag where he lifts someone with the incredible Voorhees forearm strength by their crotch. That is torturous. Yeah. 
Um, but the sleeping, but the sleeping bag and having Richie run up and get caught, like trying to rescue her and get caught in a bear trap and that helplessness there was especially mean. Yes. And I will let, and I'm interested to see if that continues or that ebbs and flows as an aesthetic. Uh, I'm not, I'm not against it at this point is my determination. I don't know about Gina, but we'll, we'll over the course of this, we'll of course figure it out. Uh, cut to shack 2.0. Uh, we learn a couple things here uh, in this particular uh, part of the movie. One is that uh, Jason had his own bedroom. Um, and I don't remember that in original continuity uh, to, the, to the point where it almost looked like they took Fred Savage's bedroom from the Princess Bride and just let it rot and then redressed it. <laughs> yeah. Then that's the thing. I mean, so did, did they live there full time? Yes, I, I, I guess. I mean, I, I, th- I have not watched any more of this in, than this particular section. So maybe this will be answered for us later on. Is the person who owns the camp a relative of the Voorhees clan? And therefore, that's, you know, that's why the, the grounds haven't been touched. I, it seems like a lot of bedroom for a place where a lady was just a cook. I'll tell you that. Yeah, I mean, it was, um, it was straight up just a regular house. It wasn't like a, you know, here's your, here's a, you know, the cabins where the, the, you know, camp employees are going to stay for the summer. I mean, this was their home. Yeah. I mean, the previous Shack 1.0 had toilet, a raccoon, and a wagon wheel where you kept mom's head. This one has fucking electricity, Gina. It's got electricity. How? Yeah, and it's got a little personalized uh, you know, bed frame and all. <laughs> yes. How is electrical power getting to this motherfucker? How is that working where you put up a string of Christmas lights that are still working over a bathtub full of corpse juice? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how that all squares. And then there's a lot of candles with mom's head shrine, which obviously comes from the original, but, but you also have Christmas lights. Where are you plugging that in? And where's he buying them? She died in the, in 1980. So that's a lot of, he had to have a, quite the stockpile. Yes. Of candles. <laughs> So he's, I mean, he's got to be going, yeah, he's got to be going into town or getting deliveries or something. And this is pre Postmates. So, yeah, that's right. Under normal circumstances, we would assume that Jason Voorhees would be getting deliveries via Postmates, which would have been very interesting to see who his service provider is and how he's paying for them apps. Well, I I mean, Amazon Prime, it's like you could totally be a serial killer like Jason and just have shit show up at your door. That'd be really easy. But in 2009, how's he he pulling it off? Yeah. Is he he ordering like, like, you know, Christmas lights and and extra candles through the mail? (laughs) I mean, listen, I have bought Christmas, I have bought Christmas lights before and you get maybe three years and then like a bull breaks and then the whole thing doesn't work anymore. So the fact that he's been able to keep them lit for this long. Well, I just, I'm just reminding me that, that, that when I was a little girl, my grandfather, Mm -hmm. rather than buying new Christmas lights would just, if the lights didn't go on, he would go through the entire string and find which bulb was burned out. 
and replace that particular bulb. And so now I'm having, I'm picturing. <laughs> That's what my mom would assign me to do. She'd be like, here's this, if you want your Christmas tree to be lit, you have to figure it out. And I'd be like, okay, mom. So that's where so I got I'm my just, problem I'm solving picturing, skills. I'm just picturing Jason uh, uh, sitting in the middle of the floor, in the middle of their, of his house with like. Uh, you a, know, sack know, a, a, a sack on his head. With a sack on his head. And like a you know a, a tin of those uh, one of those you know, those uh, Danish cookie tins filled with <laughs> loose Christmas light bulbs. It's what and we used as well, Gina. Very, <laughs> very, very carefully going through this string of lights to figure out which which one of the bulbs is the burned out bulb. I mean, he's got the time to do it. He does. He, he does. has lots In of between free time. murders. Yeah. He's he's growing pot and he's not doing a lot of housekeeping. So well, I the guess pot's for his anxiety, obviously, it's true because he's alone it's in the woods like that. That would make me anxious. So I understand the pot thing. I do want to know what the economics of this pot farm are. That that <laughs> is one of the answers I, I want as I watch this entire thing. Um, but this is where we get a very interesting uh, sequence where we discover mom's head. So we're straight up part two in it, nonstop. The shrine, his little the shrine. shrine for her, yeah. Now you would, uh, think, you would think that as soon as they walked into that house, beyond the the uh, the rotting food, that just like, well, something smells like it's dying in here. We should probably leave. <laughs> no one in a Friday the Thirteenth movie knows how to smell things, Gina. We've discovered that a long time ago when people were unable to detect the stench of a crazy backwoods mutant. I'm all for having a sense of adventure, but I'm also ha- for having a sense of smell. And I'm pretty, <laughs> I, I, I am pretty sure that a desiccated severed head w- would have a, an intense bouquet of, of, about it. I mean, did, unless he like preserved it somehow. I, mean, and, I don't know. I now, would he preserve it in bodies. baby oil or, or Avon skin so soft? Um, I don't think either of those. I feel like it would be like some kind of formaldehyde-esque embalming. I mean, listen, I don't, I don't know. I've never actually had to preserve a piece of a dead body on my own. That was the reason I booked you, Megan, was, um, I was under that Or what if it's like taxidermy? Maybe she's been like, um, I used to date someone a long time ago who had a cat pass away and they taxidermied the cat's head and it was mounted on a plaque and it hung above the dining room. And it didn't smell. So maybe that's, I mean, he's got time to learn skills, this Jason guy. So maybe it was like a taxidermy severed head. When I went camping, I read three books. Like it was the best. I didn't have any cell phone signal. I read three books. It was the best thing ever. So I suppose in that time I could have learned taxidermy so that I could keep my mom's severed head in a hole in my old bathroom near the Christmas lights. Um, I Mom, just thought that I'm whole, not planning to do that. That whole shrine was really touching, actually, from the for, from the perspective of Jason. Like, oh, he just loves her so much and doesn't want to let her go. Um, I almost teared up a little bit. Uh, this is where we get another callback to the Friday the 13th franchise. And that's where we get a lot of attempted get bunkings. For the next minute, Mike and Whitney are going to be stabbed at with a machete through the floorboards. As we all know, a get bunking is when someone is killed through another object. So if Mike had been killed in the sequence by being stabbed through something, that would have been an official get bunked. But I don't think it, he does get stabbed in a couple different ways. He gets one in the foot, one in the knee, and I think he gets one in the hand in the yeah. exact same place that Jason does in part four. It's a pretty effective scene. Um 
you know, particularly when he kind of drags him into the floor, which is, yes. which that's, again, I, that's not, that's not how Jason do most of the time. <laughs> Just like, you know, like. Well, he like, did in part seven. He dragged Tina into the basement. <laughs> oh, that's true. Yeah, he did. Like I said, there's very much, there's, there's a, a, a lot of this in which, as you say, they, they, the, you know, the, the, the filmmakers really want you to know that this is an all new, you know, playing playing parkour in his off time, uh, <laughs> playing parkour, doing sure. parkour. What's what's the what's the correct terminology? I I think it it, it would be a doing, but I like playing. It, he, it feels he, fun he, and fanciful. He 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 spends his off time playing parkour. You know, so this is this is a, this is a fit. You know, you know, probably you know, you presumably somewhat younger. Jason, because he would be 29 if this was uh, yeah. 2009 and and, and and no, it would be a little older. He, he would be like in his 30s. So, you know, oh. this is this is a, uh, you know, a, a younger, cooler, fitter Jason. I was I was hoping he was going to be the same age that uh, Fonda is in singles when she has that rant of like, I'm about to turn 30 and and you have to do something real with your life before that. Otherwise, you're just done. I can think of Jason sitting and watching that on his TV that has the Ivy growing out of it and going, yeah, I have to do that too. That dream I have of starting a pot farm. I'm going to do it. Oh man. Yo, Again, great. I think this, it's this, about this. his anxiety. I think he's, you know, obviously got a lot of stress and probably depression and, and uh, so pot I'm sure is what he turned to is a, it's not like he can just go to like a CVS and pick up a, a prescription, you know, for, something to make him feel better he's got to kind of go natural <laughs> he does go natural they, they, <laughs> they, they missed a really great opportunity to do a crossover with this movie with with the pineapple express which came out like a year <laughs> a year earlier <laughs> just you know like jason just decides he's gonna start selling weed and his first customers are, are james franco and seth rogan oh it just the movie writes itself gina i would wa- i would watch that movie yes um we uh, the, what i like about when mike gets pulled in through the floor is he gives me gives a help me which uh reminds me of rob the terrible monster hunter in part four um and so uh, at this point um whitney runs for her fucking life uh out of uh, that area uh, and finally runs into richie who is still held to the ground by that bear trap he has not made any uh way out of it um, I'm not going to get down on him for it. Cause I don't know how well I would get out of a bear trap with my leg would be trapped. In I it. mean, if it's meant to trap a bear, it's, right. it's in the to trap a big thing. Yeah. So like you're <laughs> with, probably not which, getting out of that. Much very like the easily. fishing net hanging around the Voorhees cabin. I mean, you, you don't really have much use for a bear trap in Southern New Jersey. No, you do not. Um, but the fishing, like he, there's probably like, Jason, listen, he's got a lot of downtime. He probably has hobbies. Fishing makes sense. It's got that lake. You know, he's got to feed himself. Maybe he's gotten really good at like grilling fish. Yeah. Unlike Richie, he does eat fish. So uh, we, uh, while uh, she is trying to free Richie from this, uh, Jason appears and sinks a machete straight into Richie's head down to the very bridge of his nose um, I think that's a partial real and partial CGI mashup um, that I think works for the most part. I uh, love given it. The lightning. It ain't bad. Uh, it's, it's no machete to the face from part two. It could never that's, be. 
No, it can't. It, 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 that- it, you know, I don't see anybody falling down the stairs in a wheelchair. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Number one, baby. Um, and Whitney then backpedals on all fours. Uh, and Jason gives a, a running charge at her with his machete raised and cut to main title card with the signature kill, 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 ma, ma, ma train signal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and yeah, that's um, that's the first 24 minutes of the movie. That was your cold open. Um, that was a that was the prologue. <laughs> <laughs> that was the prologue of this a 20, movie. A 25 minute prologue. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and they've re- already remade two of the Friday the 13th movies. So they've, they've covered a lot of area here. Um, but, you know, it comes to this point where we have to start making some decisions. And you know what that means? It's time to choose your own death venture. And that is where we as a group decide if we were forced to die in one of the ways depicted in this section of the movie, which one would we choose and why? Up for bid, we have beheaded by a nameless camp counselor, ear <laughs> slash neck slashed, uh, roasted upside down over a campfire inside of a sleeping bank. Uh, we have almost get bunked inside of Jason's 2.0 shack. We get a full-on machete to the head, and then maybe death by main title card, but those who've seen the movie know that she doesn't die. So we really have those first five to discuss. And so, Megan, as our guest, I turn to you first for your answer. Oh, God, the beheading. Just boom, one and done real quick, painless. I mean... It's like for a, sec- a split second, it's painful, but you're just, it's just done. You're not being tortured. You're not suffering. It's just. Now, this is usually when I, I would go. tell the person who's chosen this, you know, you're going to have to walk around in a lot of vintage dresses, but because I follow you on Instagram, I know that's not an issue for you. No, it's not an issue for me at all. I have like a, an entire closet of vintage dresses. I have a dress really similar to what uh, Jason's mom wears. Actually, um, I might take a picture in it and post it to share Please. Uh, now that you've inspired me, but yeah, no, just really quickly, just, just cut my head off and I don't want to feel anything else. That's how I'd want to go. Okay. Well, uh, well, you still have to do a monologue afterwards though. My severed head would do a monologue. Yes. You, you're, you're psychically telling your mutant child that he has to kill in, in your name. I mean, I couldn't, I just do that like telepathically. Can I just like, like send yeah. vibes? Yeah. Yeah. I, I'll yeah. allow it. Telepathically, it is. Yeah. But you still have to do it. Yeah, I mean, that's fine. It's not a problem. Uh, I just don't want to feel the torture. (laughs) Gina, what say you? Um, Well, uh, being someone who who is rather nerdy and is often found to be wearing headphones at any given time, uh, though not likely to be listening to Night Ranger, uh, I'm going to have to go with Wade's being mysteriously slashed to death. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Now, um, as a woman wearing headphones, what do you think is the best way to talk to a dead person wearing headphones? Oh, clearly you just got to you know, stand in front of me and kind of make the, uh, hey, take, take, take your headphones off hand gesture. I, mean, I, I won't answer it because I'll be slashed to death, but you could go ahead and feel free and give it, give it a try. I mean, that's a real good excuse, Gina, but it really just seems like you don't want to talk to me. Yeah, I'm just being snobby, you know. Okay. Just being total cock tease. <laughs> Oh, we live in gross times. All right. Uh, So that leaves it up to me. And I think I'm going to, just to change things up, I'm going to take that machete to the head. 
because I don't think Richie feels anything. And to be honest with you, I've always wanted to dress like a sexy frog brother, but I just don't have the wardrobe components to make it happen. That's what Amazon and eBay are for. You know, I recently took a trip that took me through Santa Cruz and I maybe I, I just caught the fever for that frog brothers lifestyle. Oh, <laughs> it's, it's not a good costume. All right, everybody. Well, <laughs> Uh, that uh, takes us to the point where we discuss those other projects that are not Friday the 13th related. Uh, Megan, where can people who have heard your delightful presence here find you elsewhere in the world of social media? Oh gosh. So I am, if you are on Instagram, I go by, I'm a teacup human. That's I M a, and then teacup. And then the word human Um, on Twitter and Facebook. I'm at the Megan Duffy, T-H-E-M-E-G-A-N-D-U-F-F-Y. I have a film coming out called All the Creatures Were Stirring Just in Time for Christmas. Um, and then also you can listen to uh, the podcast I'm on called Fear Initiative from the Blumhouse Network, which is found where all podcasts are found, but especially on iTunes because we, we're trying to beat Critical Role. I don't know if you know about <laughs> that podcast. All. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's it. That's where you can find me. Excellent. Do it today. People check it out. Hey, Gina, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, well, I write about uh, old TV and pop culture and movies at uh, my website, GinaRadcliffe.com. I also review movies at AlkaHollywood.com. I am on um, Twitter, Porcelain72, and on Instagram under Gina Does Things. Um, real quick, Patrick, I wanted to mention a very nice tweet that we got, uh, while you were, while you were away and you're camping, you're reading three books and you're not having Wi-Fi access, like you're in the pioneer days or some sort of barbarian. <laughs> I mean, did you, did you like eat baked beans and, you know, make s'mores? That's all I did was eat baked beans out of a can and make s'mores. I'm a good 50 pounds heavier than when I left. I, I, I had to uh, I had to take the reins of our of our Twitter feed. And I noted a, a very nice tweet from a user named at Zerwiski, um, which he said, I think one of the best little bits of listening to 80s all over and kill by kill pod is that I get to hear four hosts that live through the time of 80s movie releases and still manage to discuss film with a bent toward inclusivity and calling out problematic shit while loving them. And I was like, aww, someone, someone's, hmm. someone's getting what we're trying to do. Oh my God, they get you. Oh, wow. It only took two years, but it happened, Gina. It's a, somebody's finally acknowledging the Dreams point of all true. this. It's, I just sat there like, like thank, thank you. Thank you so much. Oh, that's so nice. Uh, we did receive an email, which is a rare occurrence. Um, most people reach out to us on Twitter. Um, but he said, I'm a new fan of uh, Jim Elliott. I uh, said, I'm a new fan of your podcast. It is great. Please keep up the great work. I enjoy hearing your perspective on these movies, which is a very nice note to keep us going uh, through things like Jason X. Uh, not so much uh, Commando. That was a that was a joy from beginning to end. Yes. Um, but uh, if you want to reach out to us, some easy ways to do it at kill by kill pod on Twitter, uh, kill by kill podcast on Instagram. There's the Facebook page and group to discuss things in more detail. Um, and as always, if you have a, a note longer than 280 characters and who really has the time, but you can reach out to us on, uh, through email at kill by kill pod at gmail.com. And that does it for today, but don't worry. 
the body count continues next time we're going to meet a whole new cast of characters for an all new set of movies to remake that's right we're going to hit friday the 13th part three and part four we're gonna do it all baby uh and so until next time for megan and gina and myself uh, bye bye everybody Okay, so now's your chance to tell me the story about how you bathed yourself in, in baby oil. And, oh, no, and it was just, it was a like. joke like years okay. ago. Um, no, I mean, not a joke, but it was like, so years ago, um, friends of mine threw like a summer party and they thought it'd be funny to get a slip and slide. And earlier in the day, people had, you know, children, the kids were going on the slip and slide like they're, you know, they're supposed to. And then the adults got drunk. And we're like, let's go down the slip and slide. But then like, for some reason, someone was like, we should do it with baby oil. And I don't know why this was an idea that like, so anyway, so the group of us lathered ourselves up with baby oil, which then makes it very, very slick. And I remember flying down the slip and slide and then it wasn't the end of the slip and slide. And the fence were maybe three feet from each other. So I remember flying downhill on the slip and slide and it just boom in the fence. But it didn't oh make nearly as big of an impact as, you know, everybody kind of just laughed at me like, oh, she hit the fence. And then three dudes went down together and then they collapsed part of the fence. <laughs> and they were in ah, these, see? like, it was when, it was when American Apparel had those, like, you know, those tiny bathing suits for men. Do you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yes. So it was like three yeah. dudes in like Speedos, like kind of cuddling on us, but like straight, like, and it just... <laughs> And that is an image I'll never get out of my head. It's like a George Michael video gone wrong. Uh, You know what? Again, this is not the least erotic story I've ever heard. I'm really (laughs) into this.